So why don't we uh, open with a word of prayer. Father, we <clears throat> thank you that we have uh, this beautiful day uh, to celebrate fathers, but uh, to ultimately celebrate our ultimate father who is you, uh, who has given us salvation through your son, sending your son for our sake. Uh, as we just heard, uh, have a little talk with you. <laughs> Jesus makes everything right, and we just thank you and praise you that you are always here and that you are always with us, and that we can always come to you with our burdens, uh, with our problems, uh, knowing that you do all things for our good. We just thank you and praise you, and we pray that as we return to the text now, that we have a focus on your word uh, and your truth that you will reveal to us today. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. <clears throat> and so um, today we're actually going to be just continuing on in our parable uh, in the sower and the seed. Uh, we're going to be looking at the last, uh, not the last one, we actually have one more to do. Uh, when I initially started the parable, this parable, the sower and the seed, I thought, well, I'll just go a week and explain all the different types of soils and then be done with it in a week. And it's turned into a lot longer process, but I felt like it's a pretty important that we understand the different kind of soils that we're going to be running into as we go evangelizing into this world. The weedy ground is the one that we're going to be looking at next. Uh, the thorny soil actually is better uh, to think about it. This one's actually very important, especially for us today, because we live in a very consumer world. I don't have to tell you that. You already know it. Uh, we live in a world that prizes gaining things. And so we need to be very careful about the weedy ground. Uh, there are, in a sense, thorns all around us that cares the world and the riches of this world. Uh, let's just read our text. It's Matthew 13, uh, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears uh, the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So again, this is important because we have a lot of cares in this world, and it's only amplified um, by the fact that we have social media now, uh, where you hear about every single care of the world uh, in every part of the world, and it can be all-consuming if you let it be, um, as well as riches, and you often uh, hear maybe something, uh, someone say, money talks uh, nowadays, and it's some ways true. Um, but we hear that a lot, and I have this little thing that says, if you could hear a dollar speak, this is what it would say. You hold me in your hand and call me yours, yet may I not as well call you mine. See how easily I rule you? To gain me, you would all but die. I am invaluable as rain, essential as water. Without me, men... Uh, <laughs> Men and institutions would die. Yet I do not hold the power of life for them. I am futile without the stamp of your desire. I go nowhere unless you send me. I keep strange company. For me, men mock, love, and scorn character. Yet 
I am appointed to the service of saints to give education to the growing mind and foot to the starving bodies of the poor. My power is terrific. Handle me carefully and wisely, lest you become my servant rather than I yours. Um, And it is very true when you think about that. Uh, Easily, very easily, we can become a slave to our money instead of the other way around. And so... Again, we're going to be looking at the weedy ground. This is that person, the person who is in love with this world, in love with the riches of this world. Um, And so we have our illustration here. We have, again, our path, um, just solid ground. Nothing can penetrate the unresponsive heart, the one who just straight up says no. Um, They don't care about the word or listening to the word. And then we have our... Rocky soil over here, as we learned about last week, and true to form, I said it wouldn't last very long, and as you can see, the plant is already dying. Um, It rose up quickly, it was beautiful, and it faded quickly, um, because it had no depth of soil. And so this is the shallow faith, um, and it was represented fairly well. And so we have our final one. Oh, all my... Plants are already dying on this one. This is the weedy uh, soil. And so, where nothing can grow, no seed can grow, because there are already weeds there. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. So the first point I have to make with this is that the causes of stunted growth uh, within this, in this soil. And the soil itself, it's very interesting because... The soil has nothing wrong with it. Um, the path, right, it was beaten down, it was hard, the soil, nothing could penetrate that soil. Um, with the rocky ground, there was rocks there, nothing could penetrate the rock. But with the weedy ground, there's not actually anything wrong with the soil itself. Actually, there is growth in the soil. The problem is that there is the wrong growth in the soil. There is thorns growing in the soil. The problem with the soil is that there are already plants that have penetrated the soil, that have already penetrated the heart. Because as we remember, when we're talking about the soils, the soils represent man's heart. So the cares of the world are the first thing that inhibits growth. Uh, and we see this and look in verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world. And so, again, the first thing we have to point out before we get to this is that thorns already existed. Read, when you read it, as for what was sown among thorns, meaning that those thorns already existed there. They already existed in the heart of the man. And that thorns, we need to think about it as thorns, actually. I kind of wish I'd changed my overall sermon to uh, thorny ground, uh, not weedy ground. Uh, You can think of this as a thorn bush, uh, a very intense plant. I actually have a slide for it, uh, if they will get there. So, You can think about it. It's not a pleasant plant, right? These are just kind of weeds. You could run across them. You could walk on them. No big deal. Um, But a thorny plant, 
You're not going to be able to walk on it. Uh, It's an aggressive plant. It's something that even just to be near it, you're going to be watching for it. Um, Because to be near it is to be almost attacked by it. And so, think of it as a very aggressive plant, a thorny plant. And the thing is, those thorns existed in that soil. But even more thorns will come over time. And we see that through the other two Gospels, actually. And Luke, it says, as they go on their way, they are choked by the thorns. And in Mark, it says, uh, the thorns enter in. And so they are both there, and as a result, they also prosper there. Um, The soil has a way of growing thorns. So the problem of the thorns isn't going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. And the result is it's going to choke the word. And we have to remember that this isn't someone who is hearing a false gospel. Uh, Much like the rocky soil, as we pointed out, this is someone who is hearing the truth. Um, This is someone, as it says again, this is the one who hears the word. And so they are hearing the truth. They are hearing the truth of the word. The problem is there are thorns. And when you're thinking about the rocky and weedy ground, I was kind of just thinking about the differences between them. The rocky ground in many ways and many times uh, sees the problems of the world and sees Jesus as a quick fix to them, Uh, whether it's marriage, money, whatever it is. um, It's not a true faith. They just see it as a quick fix. Um, It's, again, that shallow faith. The weedy ground or the thorny ground, however, the problem is that they don't see the thorns to begin with. Those thorns are there, and they accept those thorns as there and try to hear the word as well. And as we know, the thorns are going to be dominant in that person's life. So instead of seeing the problems, they cling to the problems of this world. So, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and that important word that follows just after, but. Up until that point, you'd say, oh, that's good, at least. There's some problems in that person's life, but they're hearing the word. Again, but. But the cares of this world. Thorns are the cares of this world. And there's going to be two things that we'll see the thorns are mainly in this person's life. The cares of the world and the riches of the world. The person whose heart is thorny is not so much concerned about the sin in their life. Their concern is in this world, in the cares of this world. I like what MacArthur wrote about this. He said, A person who comes to church but never becomes committed to serving, who is continually preoccupied with money, career, fashion, sports, and everything but the Lord's work is a person with a weed-infested heart. 
that person who, again, much like the rocky ground, that weedy ground can be here. And their body is here, like when you go to class, right? The, I used to be in class, and the professors would always say, your body is here, but your mind is elsewhere. Uh, that is the weed-infested heart. Their body is here, but they're thinking about everything else in the world, from food, their money, what they have to do after church, maybe it's sports, maybe it's not even being here because of those things. It's that person that you may look at and say, oh, well, they're just really busy with things, so they can't come. Or that person is really important, they have a lot of business to do, and so they can't come. But they would love to. It's all these things that are more important than the Word. And the thing is, The reality is that person will eventually realize that they don't really care about church or the word. They'll realize that they care about the things of this world, that those things take precedence over anything else. It's very important that we do not love the world or the things of the world. Actually, we need to turn to 1 John 2.15 1 John 2.15 through 16 and it says this do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now these are important words and very strong, bold words. Something that we need to keep in the back of our minds. Verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And you might say, well, what is the world here? And he actually tells you the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. Do we understand the importance of that text? That if you love those things, he says the love of the Father is not in you. And again, this is so important because when you're thinking about this world today, that is the world. They love the desires of the eyes. There is much pride of life in this world. Um, And the desires of the flesh run rampant today. We need to be those who are light in this world. And James goes even further, we won't turn there, but he says to be in love with this world is to be at enmity with God. That is going against God. And so again, we need to be careful that we aren't in love with this world. And I say that, but we do have to be careful with one small thing. And that is to, we do need to enjoy this world. And I know that kind of sounds counteractive to what I just said. Um, But I know a lot of mopey Christians is kind of what I call them, where they're just in this world and they don't enjoy really any part of it and they just think their whole life uh, is just a miserable 
service. And that's really not the way we need to be living our lives as believers. And so don't be in love with this world, but God did create this world. And this world, there are many beautiful aspects about it. And when you go out into this world, don't be in love with the world. Be in love with the creator who created this world. Um, I love going out into creation, going on walks, fishing, whatever it is. And I'm not in love with those things. When I see those things, I'm reminded of how just how far greater God is than those things. And so you do need to enjoy what was created by God, but enjoy the creator more. Those things point to and should make you worship him. So again, don't be in love with this world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and do not have the pride of life. Now that is the person with the cares of this world. And so that's the first one in our text. The first aspect, um, the first cause of stunted growth is the cares of the world. And then it continues, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And so the next one is naturally the riches. Um, And riches is a big one. Uh, In this world, I think being wealthy... Um, is seen as the greatest thing that could ever happen to you, whether you get lucky and win the jackpot, so literally, um, or whether you do well in the business world and you gain riches. Uh, if you just go online, you will see that what people want uh, very much so is to be wealthy, uh, to be happy is what they would say. And in a sense, they could equate happiness with wealthy. The more they have, the happier they will be. And so riches will inhibit growth. Uh, Riches are material wealth. This is even earthly ambitions, money, prestige. All these things are part of that riches. And the thing is, it clarifies them as deceitfulness. They are deceitful. Uh, This is a word... In Greek, epate, uh, deception, or actually more po- um, probably it's pleasure in. And for this, I kind of have to take you to 2 Timothy 2.13. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, it kind of explains this a little bit. This pleasure in. So again, 2 Timothy 2.13, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing, they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions. That is how we need to see that word deceitfulness, that they are reveling in their deceptions, that they love their deceptions. They are in love again with the riches of this world And really, they deceive themselves into thinking those things will make them happy. Again, we often hear, as I said beforehand, money talks in this world. That's what people will say. It is money that will make you happy. But it was kind of interesting. I found a little 
illustration where money actually did talk. It says this: an Italian tenor who spoke no English was en route to a concert rehearsal in Washington. Separated from the interpreter, he was suddenly lost. Uh, it'd be very scary. But then, pulling out a five-dollar bill, he pointed to the picture on the back of it and wound up where he wanted to go. It was at the Lincoln Memorial nearby, on the banks of the Potomac River. Uh, was his concert. <laughs> so there's at least one instance where money did talk. Um, but in this life, you'll hear people say a lot of things regarding money. And often you'll hear them say things like, well, if I only had this much money, I could retire. Uh, if I only had this much money, I could buy this house and then I would be happy. I could buy this boat and then I would be happy. If I had this thing, then I would be happy. Uh, if I was just financially stable, maybe even, then I would be happy. Um, and we all know right now at this very point in time that those things won't make you happy. But the problem is we will leave this room and we will deceive ourselves at some point in time thinking that if we had those things, those things would make us happy. The classic example of this, and we have to turn there because it's just so classic, is the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. So turn there, Matthew 19, uh, and you can learn a lot from this man Matthew nineteen sixteen is the start and says, And behold, again, pay attention to this, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, life keep the commandments. But he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father, father and mother, you shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what do I still lack? And now we need to take a close look up until this point. Looking at this guy, he really is, so to speak, the stuff. I mean, he is a young man, he's got money, wealth, as we will find out. Not only all of that, but he also is living a good life. Um, he says, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus points to all these things, he says, well, I'm doing that. And it's very interesting to look at his response, the whole thing, because he says, all these things I have kept... And he knows there's something else missing in his life. And he says, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Now, I always thought this was kind of a, as a kid, like a harsh response. How many times? Hello. Are you guys still awake? So, how many times, uh, you know, does Jesus say this to someone else? To go sell everything you have and follow me. Especially if someone who has so much wealth. 
He says, follow me. And then verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the thing is, Jesus knew, right? The young man asked him, what am I lacking? And it's not so much what he was lacking, as what he was had. He had thorns in his life. And Jesus says, you need to get rid of those thorns in your life. Because unless you get rid of those, those will always be number one in your life. And I will not be. I need to be number one in your life. You need to get rid of those things. Again, sadly, he had great possessions. He was sorrowful for that, but he should have walked away sorrowful that he lost life. He was clouded. He had that material, uh, what we would call blessing. And that blessing clouded his thinking. It's interesting because, again, we always have this thought that money will just make things better. And when I was in school learning about marriage counseling, uh, that was like part of my degree was counseling, a big focus was marriage counseling, Everyone, marriage-wise, thinks you have problems in your marriage if you don't have money. And a lot of married couples think, well, if I had more money, I wouldn't have these problems. But actually, most problems in marriage regarding money, which is, let's be honest, a huge portion of marital problems nowadays, most of the problem is that they have too much money. They either spend it unwisely and one of them gets annoyed or they're trying to divide up their money saying, you spend it on this and I'll spend it on this. Um, whatever the problem, most of the problems are come from having too much money. And so we need to be very careful. And as we continue on, Luke actually adds a little bit to the riches. He says the riches and pleasures of life. And so um, it is those sinful pleasures or just life's pre- uh, pleasures, really. Anything that will distract you from Christ. Like the rich young ruler, his was monetary. It was money. That was his distraction, so to speak, that Christ said you need to get rid of. But It can just be um, riches or just the pleasures of life. And I'm saying all this, but I want to be careful to point out the fact that riches aren't inherently evil. Being wealthy is not an evil thing. Um, God is the one who ultimately gives us wealth. And there's a lot of good things that can come from having wealth and being a giving person. Um, it is when it is evil when the love of those riches goes above the giver. We can enjoy what God gives us while still leaning on Him for those things. And so, Timothy. Paul writes Timothy about such things in 1 Timothy. Actually, turn there because we'll be there for a second. Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. For the rich person, I'll say that is their burden. 
that they have to keep these things in mind. They need to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches and focus on God who richly provides them with everything to enjoy. Um, Those aren't your riches. Those are the riches God has entrusted to you. But we can go back a little further uh, when Paul gives the warning to Timothy about the riches in, in verses 9 through 10. Again, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. And it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so, again, having wealth is not the issue. And this is a very important verse for us to grasp and understand. That verse 10 highlights, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Note the love. It is not that for money is the root of all evil. I think that's one of the most uh, mis-said um, verses ever. Everyone takes out the love. It is not the money in itself. It is the love of money that is the root of evil. And that's important because I like what um, William Hinstermaker says. He says, when this person is poor, he deceives himself into thinking that if he were only rich, he would be happy. When he is rich, he deludes himself into imagining that if he were only still richer, he would be satisfied as if material riches could, under any circumstances, guarantee contentment. And so what he's saying there is if you're poor, that love of money is always only going to say, hey, look, if you had money, man, you're going to have it great. And then for the person who's rich, you see this all the time, they just say, well, if I had another million then I would be happy. But it never satisfies. So it doesn't matter whether you're poor, whether you're rich. It is the love of money that is the root. So, that is, those are the two things that will inhibit growth. The things that cause the thorns. You have the cares of the world and the riches. And these things ultimately choke growth. And we see that. That is the ultimate problem. If you went back into Matthew, you'll see the cares of the world and its deceitfulness of riches choke. And what specifically are they choking? We need to make sure we're clear of. They choke the word. You can't serve two masters. You learned that from Luke. One is going to triumph over the other. You can't serve God and money at the same time. When you think you can, you're basically going to be that double-minded man in James who is driven and tossed by the wind. The thing is, with the weeds, we have to remember that they just never truly let go of the world. They never became that new creation, that new man. They never put off the old man. They clung to him. The things of this world they held on to, and as such, they couldn't serve two masters. 
And you know this because of the proof. And the proof is the lack of growth. Uh, finishing up our verse here, they choke the word and it proves, it proves to be unfruitful. That proves is to be, become, or take place. That is what happens. And the unfruitless, fruitful is literally fruitless or profitless. They have no fruit. And so we've looked at three different soils now that Jesus points out. Three of the four. There's only one left. All three of the ones we have talked about, their common denominator is that they are fruitless. They don't bear any fruit. Uh, whether it's the path, whether it's the rocky ground, whether it's the thorny ground, they are fruitless. And so I'm going to finish up. We're specifically talking about the thorny ground here. And this is a person who never really truly receives the gospel, the word. Um, they cling to this world. But we live in a world full of riches, full of cares for this world. And so of all the three, uh, this is the one that most pertains to Christians because even though those thorns will never, if you truly believe, take over and make you be unfruitful. I think there's a lot of thorns in believers' lives today. There's thorns in the unbeliever, we know that, but thorns in the believer as well. And when you're thinking about this, how you just have to ask yourself, how uh, choked are you by the cares or the things of this world? Uh, we need to be very careful of that. As Paul warns Timothy... Some have lived because they cared for this world. We have a lot of things that we could have or want have. Again, cars, boats, um, that's always my thing. Motorcycles, houses, bank accounts, phones. There is a million modern gadgets that you could have and probably want have, want to have. Again, we are in a materialistic culture. Uh, we can, we're like Lot, right? We are in there. He was by Sodom. We have it all around us because we have internet. It's always there telling, you want to buy this. You want to have this. You need to care about this. And so we need to be careful. And the thing is about weeds, for us, they aren't just going to be there. They're going to slowly grow there. You probably won't even notice them growing until they have become prominent in your life and then you'll look at it and say how did that even get there you won't see it and soon enough you are going to be choked and so we need to do pruning in our lives uh, we need to be evaluating those things in our life that are taking the emphasis off of Christ that are taking center stage and we need to put Christ where those things are Ultimately, it's about being content. Again, we're going to turn one more time. Uh, it's important that I get through this. <laughs> uh, we need to be content. First Timothy, back in our passage, just before what all we read in 6, verse 6. Again, chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world 
But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. What do you need? You need food. You need clothing. What is God going to provide for you? He is going to provide food and clothing and what you need. So what do you need to be worried about? You don't need to be worried about anything but keeping Christ as the center and focus of your life. Content it is to be self uh, means self-sufficiency. Describe a person who is unmoved by any circumstance. Content in Christ. So, again, our focus is Christ. And I'm just going to finish out with verses 11 through 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Do what? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight with faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of witnesses. Don't be concerned about the things of this world. Don't be concerned about the riches of this world. But be that person who pursues righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, uh, and gentleness. And fight the good fight of faith. And so with that, I need to close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we have this time to uh, look at what could be considered the final uh, negative response to the gospel or lack thereof a response to the word, uh, the weedy ground. And I pray that as we go out again into this world and we're witnessing to these people that we remember we're going to encounter those people who are unresponsive like the path, the people with shallow faith, and ultimately people with thorny grounds who are in love with this world, much like the rich young ruler, who will walk away sorrowful um, because they had much or because they wanted much in this life. And I pray that as we look at our own lives, that we don't have those thorns, that we would consider those things that are taking center stage in our life, that are taking precedence over you, and we would prune those things out of our lives that we would be completely reliant and focused on you. We just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.